Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is a deeper dive on how realtors view loan officers and how to develop a successful working relationship with realtors. My guest today is Edward Jaquente, and Edward is president and CEO of his own real estate brokerage firm in Orange County, California. Prior to that, Edward was in the mortgage industry as an originator. Hi, Edward. Hi, how are you? I'm good. And so I'm thrilled that you're going to share your wisdom since you had the background of being a loan officer at one point and now have become over these last years. And again, I think it's over 10 years as a realtor. Talk about how you got into the business as becoming a realtor, and then we'll go on from there. Yeah, I I started 14 years ago uh, as a full-time realtor in 2008, but I started as a a loan officer in 2002 and worked, you know, all the way through until the crash of uh, 2008. Towards the end, I was working for a brokerage who would allow to do several transactions on the side. So I was familiar with doing a real estate transaction. Back then, it wasn't a conflict of interest when you worked for a brokerage to be able to do something like that. So I I found a fondness for how much people appreciated my time and energy on the real estate side. And if there was ever an opportunity, it would have been right after the crash when mortgages kind of dried up and and everybody folded. So I took that opportunity and rolled with it. Well, that raises the question. And since you've seen both sides of it, what is your typical day as a realtor like? What's that? What's it look like? And I know that's hard to generalize, but share with what your typical time is spent doing. Well, in the beginning stages, as a newer agent, it's completely different than now. I'm a broker with a team and agents underneath me and a storefront in Corona Del Mar. Mm-hmm. So it's completely different now than it was in the beginning. In the beginning, I don't have a lot of clients in the beginning and trying to figure out angles and marketing techniques and generating business was probably 90% of your time versus how many transactions you were doing back then, especially after the crash when there wasn't a lot of lending at the time. So, but now the typical days we're, you know, putting out fires on transactions, dealing with lenders and escrow officers, the beginning of the day, and then, you know, marketing and orders for, you know, magazines and print and campaigns and social media and all that stuff midday, and then circling back and working on deals and setting up showings. And there's a lot going on. It's really, like you said, hard to summarize uh, what goes on in one day, but yeah, it's definitely a, a busy time for sure, and especially with this hot real mm-hmm. estate market. So as an experienced mm-hmm. realtor, and again, I know that you're a broker, but what do you look for in a loan officer? And since you've had the advantage of being on both sides, what is it that you value? I value responsiveness in a loan officer, attentiveness, and loan officers, there's so many of them, and we get approached daily with people that are just getting into the industry. And I think the hardest thing for that is to summarize is there's a lot of companies that have expedited services or niche products. So what I'm really looking for in a loan officer over anything is their availability, their responsiveness, and their ability to do what they say they can do. So when you're talking about availability, how would you define that? In other words, it's obviously not a nine to five job. So what would be an example of what you would consider good availability? 
Well, you when you mirror the two industries, we're out there on our weekend time trying to put deals together, and loan officers usually click out midday on a Friday to go <laughs> home to their families and, and enjoy their time off. Well, that's when we really need them is after hours when, you know, the rubber meets the road, when there's hard questions to be answered. We need that uh, person to get on the phone or respond to a text. And usually it's not that much of an amount of time, but I'm sure when you have a lot of people reaching out to you, it can be a little annoying as a loan officer. You're like, oh, well, my, I, I left the office hours ago. I don't, but with the change in the uh, climate, I think with people working from home, a lot of loan officers now working from home because of the pandemic, I, I imagine that it's easier for them to pick up a call or make that transition now, which is, that's the kind of attentiveness that the hand holding, the feet holding, that's what we're looking for as agents out in the field. We want our answers so that our clients can feel comfortable moving forward with contracts. So just reliving, I know, again, as veteran real estate agent yourself, when you're looking at, and now as a broker, when you're looking at what would be some of the things that you said is like, how many loan officers do you deal with? And how many is it reasonable Mm -hmm. to expect that the average real estate agent would have? In my experience, you know, more is not better. I I don't see the opportunity in having 10 to 15 different loan officers when 90% of the business falls within the same box that all the lenders are loaning out of. I think there's, in my experience, there's, you know, a handful between four and five and, you know, probably 70 plus percent goes to one or two of them. And then the outside edge will reap the benefit of the fallout or that other person's not available and you need to move forward, something like that. So, Edward, how often would you change loan officers? In other words, of that four or five that typical agent will deal with, are they forever or are they until something bad happens? Or, or talk about this issue of change. You know, change, yeah, can come from motivation to change will come from different areas. But the main motivation would be that person's availability. I think it, and they get busier and busier and they don't staff up and have people that can handle the extra flow of business and they become overwhelmed and take more and more time away or take longer and longer to respond. I think then that's when you're looking for, or you're open to speaking to somebody that might have more time on their hands that can be available to answer your calls. So I think that, or there's a lot of mistakes made in a deal that could have been avoided, time delays that could have been avoided, simple things. And when they start missing those cues and stop doing the stuff that got them in the limelight in the first place, then that will give an opportunity to switch gears. But other than that, if someone's consistent and has paid their dues, I I don't have any reason to just interject a new loan officer because I got a phone call or an email. Mm -hmm. There wouldn't be any reason to not be loyal to that loan officer that paid their dues. So how would you, in other words, how would a loan officer get your attention? Of course, they're going to say they're always available. <laughs> they're, they're going to say mm-hmm. they always sure. return your phone calls. They're going to say, oh, we of always are, your customers are, are, we care about them very much. I mean, what would get your mm-hmm. attention and how would a loan officer, in other words, do that to, to get the attention from the real estate agent who hears all the time that, that the loan officer cares about their customers? I think that's a great question. I, I think it, it, it would have to mirror their approach to follow up and their approach to injecting their product or their name, or their company 
their the way they handle themselves with that follow-up would be key in how they show up in a transaction. I, I think what will happen is they have a, a niche product or a non-QM product could probably open the door to some questions. An agent might want to take advantage, might have a unique client that fits that scenario. And then in that scenario, you're going to see how that person reacts or how quickly they return calls. Look, cameras are always rolling. You know, you're always wondering who's going to respond, when they're going to get back to you. The guy that's got his phone turned off at three o'clock in the afternoon is not going to get that deal. <laughs> so that's yeah, a good, their, their follow-up could be the, the approach. Sure. No, that's a great comment. The cameras are always rolling. I love that line. That's a really good comment. So from the standpoint of someone new and you get phone calls every day, and certainly I'm sure you get millions of emails. If someone consistently is sending you like valuable information about the market, would that get your attention? Is that something newsworthy from your viewpoint that you don't get from the usual loan officer? I think that we get that market data from multiple sources. Our title reps are constantly flooding us with that because they're fighting for our title business. Sure. companies are wanting to make themselves stand out against their competition as well. So they're probably at the forefront of having spending extra money for that data to make that available for their, their go-to realtors for that business. So loan officer coming in in third place with some market data info, I don't know that that would be a huge thing. It couldn't hurt, I guess, if it was... Sure shown in a very specific way like on if it caught my eye on a social media ad or you know i thought it had some lift to what was going on in the area i might catch my eye and i might follow that person but it wouldn't guarantee me uh, mm-hmm. to send them a loan or something to that effect you know so what about from the standpoint if the tact that the loan officer was using was to provide and how often do you actually see this with your the real estate agents in your group how often do you see the loan officer actually helping them from a marketing standpoint, not from the lead standpoint, but helping that that real estate agent get better in their marketing? How do you see that? Well, I saw more of it before some of the stringent rules uh, that have been applied with sponsoring and actually at one point did do co-branding and stuff to that effect. But I, I kind of feel like it can it can dim your light in some ways where I found that in the very beginning where I was trying to refer every deal and take every deal to my lender, the old adage, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered, it would look a little greedy on my part to try it. They, they almost, the buyer would think that I'm getting something from this lender. And I think at some point you have to take a step back and remember what lane you're in and what you're you're trying to shine at. And, you know, if you can help them, if something does come up, you're being my experience, I would know how to place a loan probably faster than most because I'd share some of the problems that they're having. But, but unless I, there's a problem presented, I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, go for that loan business and tackle that from a buyer when they come to the table with a lender. So from a standpoint of a loan officer and the, the what is the importance from your viewpoint uh, in product and interest rates? Does that matter? Well, I think this goes back to a previous question where I, I feel like out of the four or five lenders that talk to you or even when we have additional conversations out of the office or mixtures and stuff, rates are pretty universal. Product, yeah. non-QM products are, are not, but in terms of jumbo and 
high balance performing loans and stuff like that. The money is all pretty much the same, give or take an eighth of a point here or there. Sure. And it comes down to service. And it comes down to having that knowledge of what it means to have an underwriter in your office or, or for people to have access to uh, an underwriting manager within the organization and get an answer. Or does that file go out of state, go out of area to another city? And then there's another layer of people that are between that, even though they could have a super slick software system. How easy is it for that loan officer to get his hands on someone to answer a question? And I think that's really where the horsepower is in lending. If you have the ability to move files forward and short turn times on underwriting, this is all horsepower. You know, if you work for a company that has a lot of delays and overlays and things, you're going to have your work cut out for you. You can be the best salesman in the world and get sure. a bunch of files in, but as soon as you start breaking down because you can't get answers and things get delayed, you're going to start breaking down that agreement with that realtor. So when you look at the realtors and how they view the loan officers, are, are realtors as a whole looking at loan officers, the testimonials, the social surveys, those types of ratings today? Is that something they check out? I, I would give it a, a view, but I, I, don't, I don't necessarily put all my weight into a review because anybody can write a review. I True. think it, a review that was from a client standpoint that maybe, you know, a universal client that said, hey, I've had uh, great luck with this loan officer three times in a row. Or actually, to give you a direct story, we recently, we had some client that we won the deal because he, his loan officer was able put in writing that he could reduce his loan contingency and all his timelines. And they were this pretty significant amount of time. And it was a jumbo deal. And I thought, that's impressive. And he actually got a jumbo deal done here in Orange County, uh, over a 2 million plus deal. And he closed, opened the close in less than like 16 days. And I was blown away. And since then, we've referred him several other clients because of his performance. Right, right. So, yeah. Th- yeah. That's what really counts, the actual performance, not necessarily ratings. So it's a good point. So when a customer has a, a pre-approval or a pre-qual, how do you see most realtors handling that? Well, you know what I've noticed recently, too, uh, from one of the lenders that I follow that I've known for 20 plus years, and I noticed in his video social media content that a new level of pre-qualification that is pre-underwritten uh, with everything verified on the letter. It's another level of pre-qual letter where there's the general broker letter that's on a Word doc that you know, <laughs> basically says we've looked at their FICO score and this is it and we haven't looked at anything else. <laughs> from a lender or from being in a lending standpoint and probably written a lot of those letters, I look at pre-qual letters very closely and I'm looking for very specific things. And so, yeah, a very generic letter will probably not get you very far on in, in line when you're submitting an offer with me, I will make the phone call. And then again, as a listing agent, and I get someone that submits a pre-qual letter and it's in the pre-qual letter that says, I'm here for you and call me anytime. And then I go to call that person on a weekend while I'm reviewing offers and that loan officer doesn't pick up. Well, then now you're back at the back of the line again, right? Because sure. this was your opportunity to shine for your client and you failed, right? So there's so many little things like that are going to come up. And so your performance 
and how you handle yourself is being watched by all and, and uh, will cement your reputation to be a go-to loan officer in the business that way. So Edward, talk about if the borrower or your customer comes to you and they have a letter from a lender that maybe you've had bad experience, are you likely to try to switch that to the lenders you're comfortable with? Or are you just going to follow it out to see what happens? Kind of what what's your thinking about that? I would never try to just because I have a mm-hmm. personal experience try to remove a loan officer from alone they could be i'm working with this client for six months and it wouldn't be very fair for me to just say i don't like them so you should change Mm -hmm. there'd there'd have to be an issue with what was going on that would put me in a position to have to have that conversation the buyer would have to complain about the scenario or something being played out in order for me to even open that conversation and say well it's been my experience that with that lender, this is typical. Are you open to talking to somebody else? And, you know, there would have to be a significant issue for that to be broached on my part. And so when it comes to, let's say there is a problem, how many chances would you actually give a loan officer a file falls apart, the deal falls apart? I mean, is it one and done or are you going to give them a second time or what is your thoughts on that? That's a tough one because honestly, it would depend on the exact scenario and how much fault was put on the error of the loan officer. If the loan officer cost me a a transaction or my client a transaction, I'd say they're pretty much done at that point because I don't see how they could redeem themselves. There's so many things that have to go right to win a deal right now with this limited inventory that having a loan officer blow it over something silly would be pretty telling of how the rest of the process would be with that person if they can't if they can't execute what they've said they were going to execute off of, you know? Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's business in today's world, that's for sure. So when you look at the opportunities that loan officers that aren't, they're not pursuing, what is it that you think is kind of the missing one that they're not really doing from your viewpoint? With the, when refi business is hot, they're able to just show up Sure. Or log into a system that transfers them somebody that's doing business. And those are the times where I think the smart loan officers are the ones that have had experience in this industry dig in and say, well, I'm not only going to do this lead gen business, but I'm going to cement my relationships with brokers and do both. And when times get thin on one side, like in this case right now, we're in refi business with the feds raising rates is starting to dry up and there's not as many people refinancing. You have all the new agents going, hey, I'm I'm available for business because I don't have any leads anymore. And, <laughs> right. uh, so I think that's pretty telling. I think the opportunity is when things are, even when things are going good, you need to be able to market both sides of the fence and not be one dimensional for lead sources, um, that would be the opportunity to set yourself apart. Well, since you've done both sides of it, what what is it that loan officers don't really realize about realtors that they should know? What, what is your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, again, I, I think they don't understand how much time and energy gets put in after hours or on weekends. I think that's probably the first thing they don't understand. 
they might say, oh yeah, he'll show a house or two. I mean, we're getting phone calls after seven o'clock on a Sunday and inappropriate before 6 a.m. You're getting a text or someone's sure. fears and we're really, really working hard to put these deals together. So when we expect call after hours or before your time spot, it's because we need the answer to those questions, not just because we're trying to irritate you or that. And I think the other part of it is that I, I don't necessarily feel that they understand what somebody else has gone through to earn our business. And, and they're quick to say, forget that guy, just go with me because I just met you. <laughs> and I and I think that in itself, if they could appreciate what someone else has gone through to earn that business in the first place, that would be very telling of how they treat and how they'd want to be treated if they did earn my business right. at some point. They wouldn't want me to ditch out of them or not give them the opportunity if some new guy called me tomorrow. Right. So from a practical standpoint with, let's say your current lenders that you're dealing with. And so let's say your number one, your first two, your number one and number two, how long have they been with you? In other words, how long have you done business with the, your first two? I actually did loans with them when I was in lending. So, so okay, you 14, go a long way. Plus years, you know? yeah. 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 So I would say at least one of them pretty close to 20 years. Oh, okay. Okay. You know? So that's the depth of someone that's been in the industry on both, you know, both starting sides. and lending. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of contacts in that space that stayed in that business after the crash. And a lot of people that have been in the trenches with me that understand lending very well and have pretty deep resources in terms of pushing narratives mm-hmm. forward and getting things over the curb. Right. So when you look at social media, and I saw certainly in your webpage and so forth about you emphasize the state of the art technology, and I assume that must be social media. What is the types of things that that you are actively involved with and, and, and certainly help you from your business standpoint? I think with lending and with realty, real estate, you're going to lean into wherever you have the biggest sphere of influence where all your friends and relatives are actually hanging. You're not going to spend all your time and energy posting on Pinterest if nobody you know is in there because you'll end up being the island by yourself. So right now I see a lot of people gravitating from Facebook more towards Instagram. And then Mm -hmm. now I do see a new trend where I'm starting to see people trying to promote their properties on platforms like TikTok, which... It's kind of interesting. I don't know. I, if anything, I think it becomes more of a branding piece, like having a sign somewhere where people are going to just say, oh, I've seen that guy somewhere. Or I know that guy. I don't know if it's a call to action where you're going to get the actual deal from it. But uh-huh. if it came down to three people and they've seen your ads on those spaces, they might feel more comfortable to give you the shot. So I think that's the cheapest, most effective marketing that you can get these days. And I I do feel that it's very powerful. And what's changed in realty is that back uh, pre nineties, before there was even an MLS, they printed a book out with all the listings in it. And you really had to know your agent and had the, the contacts and to understand what was really available and not available because that book was behind what was happening. It got printed once a month. Right. show up to the house and the house would be gone. Well, nowadays, when we bid on listings and we bid on ones that are out of area, like we closed one in Malibu that was a new construction. And the first question, and it was a really good referral. And it was a great question. He was like, look, I've been in, I lived in Malibu since the 70s. And everyone's telling me to use a local agent because it's a very tight community. 
what makes you think you can sell this house in Malibu? And it was very clear to me that the technology and where it's at today is I'm going to find that buyer that's going to be interested in your property before the local agent gets up in the morning. And that buyer is going to reach out to that agent and say, I want to see this house. And if that agent doesn't want to show it, that buyer is going to reach out to me directly and I'm going to show it. And that's exactly what happened was the buyer seen our advertising online and liked our marketing for the property. And that's what drew out the buyer. And the first thing the agent said when he showed up the showing was, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't look in MLS for this specific property, but my client seen it online. It's pretty amazing. And I thought that's exactly what the difference is between now and then with technology. Yeah. It w- if you're not online, <laughs> you're you're really not in the business is what it boils down to. Do your agents, you as a broker, do you do live streaming? I mean, in other words, is that something from a marketing standpoint that you use? Uh, my agents are doing it more and more these days. I think because of how long I've been in the business, uh, you know, I, I could probably yeah. stand to do more. I don't prefer it personally to be in front of a camera, but it is the wave of the future. And we, you know, we've been to s- several seminars and the biggest real estate seminars in the world. And the last one that we went to, it was really rooted in, you know, uh, doing video content and making sure that you're, you know, putting your face and people want to feel that familiarity with your face so that that is uh, getting the most amount of market share these days is video content over still photography or anything like that. So if you're not in front of that, if you're not doing some kind of content these days, whether it's live live Mm -hmm. feed or webinar or something, you're probably pretty far behind in the, in the process. So are there any trends that you see from a marketing standpoint that you see uh, besides what we just talked about in the next, like, guess, three to five years from a, the real estate standpoint? I mean, is it is it every property is going to be on TikTok? Is that is that how you kind of see it? I think, one, you know, what's telling is one of the biggest agents in Orange County, his name is Tim Smith, and what he started getting into in the last couple of years is doing, like, some kind of humor behind uh, the video or adding some other element to it and it becomes a, a little bit more produced and a little bit more some music to it and some uh, some entertainment value and, and uh, so in addition to you know, I'm not saying everybody has to go out and do a corny video about you know with music and dancing in it but I think the more creative you can be uh, and catch somebody's eye you have a very very small window to capture someone's attention these days when you know the average person looks at these quick videos on TikTok or feeds that they're just getting rapid fire entertainment. And uh, that's due to all the changes with Amazon and one click purchasing. And they don't want to be bored with some long dissertation about things. They want to get to the, get down to the meat and potatoes. Yeah, that's really a good point. And that certainly does apply to the world of mortgage lending for sure. So in the last few minutes uh, for the takeaways today, Edward, talk about what you want to really emphasize for loan officers about increasing their referral sources in realtors. Well, I, I really do feel that as the bigger hedge funds get into putting distance between realtors and commissions and loan officers and their commissions and, you know, they find ways to, to, with software to engineer a way to lower commissions. I think the only way to secure your future 
is to really dive into relationship building with people that uh, are going to produce and bring you activity. So get out there, go out of your way, show up, show up to events, increase your visibility by being a part of the community that you live in and work in. Um, But really, it's about the relationships you build in this business. Well, truer words were never said. I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts today. And I certainly want to thank everybody for listening. I certainly appreciate you spending time with us today. Thanks so much, Edward. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at qfsconsulting.com.